one of the great one of the great things about a church when you know it's a good church is when it's ascending church and uh, ascending church says it's not our resources it's not our people it's kingdom resources kingdom people we're going to use it for kingdom expansion and uh, so this week just yesterday I got a phone call from uh, another pastor in Kettering Ohio someone that I know and he said hey my worship leader's wife is in hospice she's 30 years old he's going to be with her we have no one to lead worship do you have anybody and so today Hannah and Meredith are up there leading worship for their church as an expression of just just worship to the Lord and what I want to say is sometimes when people look at things what we're like what we're doing where we're expanding and we're thinking about uh, going and merging and then starting a new campus and you say well why would you guys do that? I mean, churches wait till there are a thousand people or maybe fifteen hundred people before they do that. They when they have a certain amount of resources and and what I would say to that is that just when you're you know churches that are sending churches, no matter if it's later or now, it gets in the DNA of who we are. Making big steps of faith is just part of who we are as a church. And yes, at times it stretches us, but at the same time, I would rather be a sending church than a holding church. I'd rather be a sending church than just a keeping church. Let's just all stay within these four walls. And because, guys, listen, I really believe that the church of Christ, Jesus Christ, matters. What we do here really matters. And the kingdom of God matters. It matters because as the world becomes darker, we need the church to be the light and hope of the world. Uh, we need morals and values to be taught somewhere because that teaching is hard to find today. We need good people to surround our children, our students with, good role models and examples so that they can look up to them. We need the truth of Jesus Christ shared with the world, and while we can't do everything, we can do something, and so that's really the heart of this entire, not only our entire ministry, but also this campaign, because we are here to help other people know who Jesus is, because it matters to him, and because of that, it matters to us, and so he left it to us to make sure that we expand his kingdom. And so our job is, as long as we live, to be able to do that. And that's one of the big reasons why we, as followers of Jesus, are doing this other campus in, in Middletown. It's one of the reasons we do what we do here, is because how can we move the kingdom of God forward? Years ago, uh, my father and I were at a Napa parking lot in Middletown, Ohio. And I said, Dad, I was just way back earlier in my ministry. I was at a church of 35 people at the time. And uh, I'd been there for a little while, and Dad, I said, Dad, how do you know when it's the right time to go? And he said, well, Stephen, you only got this much time in your life. And he actually held up his fingers, this much time in your life. You have to determine what is the best use of your time for the kingdom of God. And when we started Axis, one of the things that we decided was the best use of our time here on the remainder of our time here on this earth. And it's getting shorter, amen, because I just turned 49, all right? I got, I got one more year of good stuff. That's what they're telling me. Everybody's like, it's downhill from here. The day I turned 49, I looked online, and there was a literally an article. Maybe one of you guys sent it to me. I don't think so. It just popped up on my, on my feed, and it showed how your career is great until 50, and after that, there is a significant decline at that point. I'm like, well, great. You know, that is just great. So I got, I got one more good year, gang, so hang on. We're going to make the most of it, all right? We're going to make the most of it. But here's the deal. What I decided was, as long as I'm on this earth, how can we help the kingdom of God advance? And that is going to mean taking some, uh, some big steps of faith. It's going to mean having some church babies, you know, and making another campus, things like this. 
And so when we embark on a campaign like this, what we're saying is, yes, it involves building a modest metal building up in Middletown because they need space for worship. And yes, it involves bringing an online worship presence because a lot of people check out churches online or a lot of people kind of get their church experience through that. And, and, uh, and so we want to have a worship experience available. It's quality. The technology is worthwhile. And we're going to make some changes here in our kids' area that are much needed, including expanding our nursery, thank goodness, because I had just heard we have 10 people, 10 women who are pregnant now. 10! I'm like, what is happening? Keep it up. Keep it up, people. Good job. Way to go. Uh, children are a blessing, the Bible says, and you're, uh, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of arrows, and, uh, and uh, keep it up, keep it up, I don't know. But uh, hey, listen, so what we're doing matters. It matters to kids here, it matters to people in Middletown, and it's a very important series, a very important time. Week one, we talked about the gospel matters. We're compelled to do all that we can to extend the grace of God. That's called the gospel. Week two, we talked about growth matters. Every one of us is being stretched if we allow it to happen, if we embrace the opportunity, if we see God's vision and His call in our life, we will grow. And today we're talking about generosity matters. Just as Jesus was generous to us and giving everything He could for us so that we might be saved, we sacrifice so that others might be saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is our landing spot for this series. And these words are found in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So what we're going to do today is look at kind of at our part in generosity and then God's part in generosity. And the first part for us is just give generously. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap, gener- you'll reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. We all probably like to think we're generous. When it comes down to it, you have to think, am I more likely to grasp a hold of something or am I more likely to, to release it? Am I more likely to hold on or am I more likely to be willing to give it away? And what you realize is sometimes, even if we think we're generous, what we find is that sometimes we're more willing to hold on, more willing to keep it to ourselves. Now, generosity is not based on dollar amount. It's based on personal sacrifice. It's based on looking at where God has us in life and saying, let's give according to those means. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 11 says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. It does not help you to say on a commitment card, I give a million dollar commitment if you don't have a million dollars. You see what I'm saying? It's according to your ability. But then everybody sacrifices. It's not equal gifts. It's equal sacrifice. Give generously. Secondly, give willingly. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. A lot of what we give is under compulsion. A good chunk of our money is taken uh, on April 15th. Is this true? And I'm guessing you don't give that willingly. You're giving that under compulsion, reluctantly. Or maybe a neighbor comes by, knocks on your door, and invites you to give to a certain cause, and you kind of look at it and go, oh, man, if I don't give, then they're going to think I don't support good things, and so I'm going to give, but I'm going to give it reluctantly. Now, I, I, last year, I've, I've just stumbled upon the Big Bang Theory, the TV show. How many of you guys like that show? I, 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 maybe I avoided it because I was like, I don't believe in the Big Bang Theory, so I'm not going to watch it. I don't know. It's actually not about that. It's just a bunch of nerdy, uh, nerdy science guys. So I was like, oh, this is cool. I'll watch this show. And it's hilarious, well-written. And there's one day where Penny, uh, 
comes in and, and she's going to do a gift exchange with Sheldon, the main character. And, and she's like, I, I want me to get you something. And he's like, oh, no, now I have to fall within the social constructs and I have to buy you something of equal value. And so he doesn't know what she's going to get. So he goes out and he buys all these gifts and he brings them all in. He stuffs them in his bedroom because he doesn't know what she's going to give him. Now, that would be giving under compulsion or reluctantly, okay? He doesn't want to do it, but he's going to do it just to make sure that he's not socially awkward in this case. She comes in and brings him a gift. It's really a very sensible, loving gift. Uh, she worked at Cheesecake Factory, and Leonard Nimoy, Spock, happened to be there that day. And he wiped his mouth on the napkin. She was like, oh, this is Spock, uh, his, his napkin. He go, yeah, I mean, he just freaks out. This is like, it's his DNA. I could, like, make me a baby Spock. This is awesome. And so he is, he's really realizes how much she's given him, and she didn't think it was any big deal. He goes into his bedroom and brings out every gift that he, gave, that he had, and he gave them all to her. And he's like, I know it's not enough. And so right there we see this transition from him being under compulsion to then being willing to give. When you realize how much has been given, it's easier to give. And when you realize how much Jesus has given to us and how he sacrificed for us, it makes us more willing to be open-handed, to give willingly. And I'll just tell you tonight at our dinner, we're going to all come together and we are going to celebrate and it is going to be a lot of fun and it's also going to be a great commitment night together. But what I want you to know is when you write a commitment to the campaign, if you cannot do it willingly, if you feel like it's reluctantly done, if you feel like it's under compulsion, then do not give. Because God cares a lot more about your heart than he does about your gift. So do it willingly. Do it because you see the vision. Do it because you're excited about what God's doing. And give cheerfully. Chapter 9, verse 7 says God loves a cheerful giver. And we give cheerfully out of love. And it ought to be fun. And God wants us to give cheerfully because we love him. It's fun with anticipation to give something of significance because you know that it matters. And tonight, we're going to have a commitment time and a time of celebration. I think it's going to be a cheerful night. And the Bible word there for cheerful is the word hilarious. And some of you guys are going to write down a commitment. You're going to go, that's hilarious. And you're going to be like, wow, I don't even know. But it's a, it's a kingdom initiative. Give cheerfully. Remember why you're giving. Think about the people that will literally be changed through eternity through the ministry of Access Mason, Access Middletown. And God promises to bless you when you do that. So what I want to do now is talk about God's part. Here are some of the spiritual rewards that come when we're faithful in this area. When you sow the seed of generosity, this passage says that you reap the satisfaction of inner growth. Verse 10 says, he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And one of the reasons that we have a hard time growing in the Christian life is because we all like to stay within a little box. The little box, which is the church box, which is I might serve a little bit. I might even stick my toe in the water and invite somebody to church. But it really, when it comes to um, giving and when it comes to sacrifice, that's one of the times where we step out of the box and God grows our faith and stretches us. Because the whole world is so enamored with stuff. What you can see, what you can touch, what you can taste and experience. We get caught up in that, and when we do, we don't grow spiritually. That's why all the way through the Bible we're told, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Don't look at the things that are seen, that are tempor temporary. Look at the things that are unseen and eternal. The world and its pleasures will pass away, but he who does the will of the Lord will live forever. And when you start giving away and living generously, you're reminded over and over again, this world is not my home. You're just 
You're not enamored with things. You're setting your affection on something different than what you can see and touch. Forbes magazine calls Charles Feeney the billionaire who's trying to go broke. He's perhaps the most generous philanthropist of all time. In the last three decades, he's given away over $8 billion, nearly all of his fortune. And he he says, it's more than money. It's satisfaction that you're achieving something that is helpful to people. He calls it giving while living. And some people say, why would he do that? Well, because somewhere along the line, he discovered that it really is more blessed to give than to receive. Somewhere along the line, he discovered that it's true, a true that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. And somewhere along the line, he discovered this world is not his home. There are some things that are just more important. And when we give away, when we sacrifice, we are reminded all the time that life doesn't consist of the things that we possess. That the kingdom of God matters and our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and those are the things that matter. That's why I like that old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. So generously. And when we so generously, you reap the joy of service to others. Verse 12 says, this service that you perform is supplying the needs of God's people. This passage says, giving is a service to other people. And he is specifically writing to Christians in Corinth, who are giving to help Christians in Jerusalem who are suffering. And he's like, we need to help them, and we need to advance the kingdom of God in Jerusalem. And I love that idea because that's really what we're doing here. And when we give, we are supplying real needs, especially kingdom needs for people. And there's just an inner satisfaction that comes with that. I I read about a businessman who was hurrying to a luncheon, and when he came out of the door, he almost stumbled on a boy that was sitting on a step sobbing. And he said, what happened, son? Somebody beat you up? He said, no, sir. He said, what happened? He said, my dad gave me $10 today. I lost it. And the guy just goes, well, go back and ask your dad for more. And the kid just keeps weeping. He says, you don't know my dad. And uh, he will will beat me for this and be unhappy. And the businessman did what most of us would do. He gave the boy $10. The boy wiped the tears away, and he thanked him. And as he headed to the store, he took a few steps, and then suddenly he whipped around, and he grabbed that man around the waist, and he thanked him. And he said, Mr., you know what? I wish you were my dad. And that man said that he forgot all about that lunch, and he spent the next half hour just circling the block looking for another kid who might have lost $10. You know, whenever you give to meet somebody's need, there is a joy that comes when you don't hoard it. And, uh, and when we give for this initiative, there is an inner satisfaction that comes knowing that we are helping people and we are helping advance the kingdom of God. Not only that, the rest of verse 12 says it not only supplies the needs of God's people, but it is overflowing in many expressions of thanks, not to you, but to God. Because of this service by which you approve yourself, we will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And one of the things I love about this is one of the reasons we give through the funnel of the church is we don't want to become famous. There's no marquee out there with my name on it or your name on it. It's only the name of Jesus. It's just the name of Jesus that advances. It's his kingdom anyway. It's his resources anyway. So we just do what we can to advance that for as long as we live, to give God the glory and not us. I love being part of the church because when we give, our name is not mentioned. Jesus gets the credit. And thirdly, when we sow generously, we reap uh, the loving support of others. 
I think I'm reading verse 14 correctly. Men will thank God for you and their prayers for you. Their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. When you give, you solicit and get the prayers of people for you. And I love that. They pray that you will stay healthy and productive and that you'll be generous, that their hearts will go out to you. People are so attracted to those who are willing to give. And Mason, I just want to just say a thank you to you guys today. Tonight, we're going to have a dinner with both campuses together. But I can say this to you today because you're here. In Middletown today, they're having another message that's similar to this. They're going to be encouraging the people in Middletown to give. And they're going to have a direct impact from that giving because they're going to be meeting that worship facility. And they're going to be seeing, because listen gang, without what we're doing here there is absolutely no way, no way that this would happen in Middletown. So they're being encouraged to give, and I just want to give you guys a huge thank you because all of us together are coming together. Yes, we're going to benefit through online experiences. Yes, we're going to benefit through expanding the nurseries, which is much needed. And yes, we're going to benefit through the changes and the updates that we're doing in, in the Kid City area. But I want to thank you specifically because many of you will be giving and you see through kingdom eyes, you see the vision of kingdom expansion. And this is not unusual for us as a church, by the way. When we gave to a church plant in northern Kentucky called Movement Church. I'm on the management team for that church. Our church helped them get started. We did the same for a church called Discover Point in Kettering, Ohio. That's where Hannah and Meredith are today. Axis Church helped to provide resources for that church when they got started. When it comes to El Salvador, we have been involved in multiple things, but the biggest, of course, is even taking a whole weekend off of offering here and saying everything that's given this weekend is going to go to build a house for the pastor or put windows and doors on the church or to paint the stuff down there. And next year, when it comes to Christmas, you guys need to have an advance warning. We're going to build a soccer field out there so that they can reach kids in that area. And here's what's happening. You may never, ever, ever go to El Salvador but we are seeing people come to Christ through that ministry. Uh, I just got a message a week ago from Pastor Reuben, and he says, when you're here, I've got two people that want you to baptize them. Will you baptize them when you come into town in just three weeks? He said, it takes us a while. I said, where is it? He said, he said it's an hour drive to the, to the, to the river. So we're going to drive over there and baptize two other people. We'll come back. I'll show you pictures. We'll celebrate together. But what I'm saying is you may never go, but you know that you are making an impact. And it's the same thing in Middletown. Some of you may go up there to serve. Some of you may go up there for certain events. But the reality is that you're giving to something and you're doing it through kingdom eyes. And I just want to say to you all, thank you for doing that. As we partner together, we're going to see more kingdom advancement. And when you sow generously, you reap the hope of eternal riches. Verse 9 just simply says, their righteousness endures forever. Sometimes people give away financially and they don't see an immediate return. But when you give to the kingdom of God, you know that it's making a difference for eternity. And Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures not on earth, but in heaven where it can't be destroyed. He said to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Put their hope in the God, which richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of that life, which is truly life. When you give away, you are actually storing up in heaven, where Jesus said it could never be destroyed. Rust will not destroy it. 
And, and, and instead of putting all of our pursuit here, why don't we put pursuit in some things that matter for eternity? And spiritually, we become richer and richer. It is very clear in Scripture that that's what happens. We are laying aside something in advance. Uh, a lot of you guys watched the movie Titanic years and years ago. It was a big hit, one of the biggest movies ever. Uh, I heard of an older couple who stood in line for a half hour just to get tickets, and the husband turned to his wife and said, I can't believe we're standing in line here for a half hour to watch a boat sink. And a couple of teenagers in front of them turned around and said, way to run the movie for us. <laughs> big spoiler there. Well, let's just imagine for a second you're on the Titanic and uh, you're a man and you hear the captain say, women and children only on the lifeboats. And your wife is about to get on that lifeboat and you have $10,000 cash on you. What would you do? Take your chances, keep it on your person and say, well, I hope that maybe one day I can spend it. Or would you say, you know what, honey, I want to give you this. I want to send it ahead for our children, for our grandchildren. I may not make it, but I want it to be providing for you all. Now, friends, we're on a sinking ship. You brought nothing into this world. You're going to take nothing out of it. And the Bible says it is silly to hoard it when you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lay your gift in heaven. And listen, gang, I'm just saying that I'm really, really happy and proud to be a part of a church that says, there are some things that we need to release so that we can continue to see the kingdom of God expand. And there are others. There are some people who have looked at this, some, some, some friends or others that I know outside the church and have said, wow, you guys are doing this. You're, you're a church of 250. You're already trying to do this. And that's unusual. A lot of churches wait till they have a certain amount of resources or people to be able to do this. And they do it and they go and do it in a big way. And, and you guys are choosing kind of a difficult path. And for me, though, I go, you know what? Listen, when Lisa and I had our first child, we didn't feel ready then either. We looked at each other and said, wow, are we ready financially? No. Uh, are we ready uh, probably emotionally? No. Are we ready in terms of like providing? No. Ah, why not? Let's have a kid. Amen. Let's do it. In fact, let's have three more after that. But I, I think you probably felt the same way when you first started planning your family. You're like, we're not ready. But then you had that child and God provided and you were blessed. And we as a church, we have helped provide for other churches. We have helped provide in El Salvador, Northern Kentucky, Dayton, and others. But now we're about to have, we're about to have a church baby. And that's a big deal. And I don't feel ready for that. In fact, I remember all those old feelings that I had when we first started Access Church. They have all crept back in. Um, <laughs> I wake up every morning with that sense of complete, overwhelming kind of anxiety and kind of like, oh, God, you know, this is a big deal. It's been challenging to kind of go to two different places and teach and lead and try to figure out how to pastor those kind of deals because you go, in the end of the day, you go, wow, that I would, man, I, I don't want to lose connection in either spot and all those things. And, and, uh, and God, I, I believe that this is the right thing to do. And, and, uh, but God, I want your kingdom to expand. And all those old feelings, I remember the first day we started Access Church, and I really, literally, we had sent out 30,000 mailers three different times. So there were 90,000 cards that went out to people. We went, sent Frisbees out door to door, and I remember uh, those days. And I remember the first day of church, and I just was praying, God, is anybody going to come today? Because <laughs> I don't really know what's going to happen. And I have a lot of that still today. But I think that's where God stretches us. God pulls us out of ourselves 
pulls us out of our comfort zone. And this campaign is about all of us saying, you know what, this matters so much. We're going to do our part to be pulled out of our comfort zone. Jim Elliott, the martyred missionary, one time said, He is no fool who exchanges that which he cannot keep for that which he can never lose. That's what sacrifice is. You exchange what you cannot keep for something you can never lose, and we can never, ever, ever lose kingdom impact when people are changed for eternity. That's what we're asking you to be a part of. God, we just thank you so much that people matter to you. Thank you, God, that you love us so much that you gave your very best for us. And God, today, tonight, when we come together, we celebrate, we give commitments, and next weekend as well, God, I just pray that you would do something great among us. And that, God, that we would begin to see and continue to see your kingdom impact in Mason, Lebanon, Westchester, Mainville, Middletown, Franklin, and beyond. And God, I pray that you would help us do that. It would be to your glory. And that nowhere would the name of Axis Church be famous. Only the name of Jesus, the name above every name. And God, we pray this together in Jesus' name.